A Christmas story. We start a new series this, uh, for this month, a three-part series called The Christmas Story. I can't take credit for that title. That title comes from a movie uh, from 1983. I don't know if you've ever seen this movie. If you've not seen it, then you're not an American. <laughs> Christmas Vacation. A Christmas Story is an awesome story about a little boy who remembers his most favorite Christmas time, his, uh, the, the Christmas time in 1940, when I believe he was about eight or 10 years old. And that little boy is right here in the front. He's in the foreground. His name is Ralphie, and his dad and his mom and his brother wrapped up, bundled up in a, in a, in a jacket and coat and sweaters and other things and a scary picture of Santa at the top. Anyways, the reason why a Christmas story is so wonderful is because it's nostalgic. At first you think, when you start watching the movie, at first you think it's about Ralphie wanting to get this toy BB gun. As he goes through his uh, through that Christmas time in 1940, everyone is telling him, you don't want that BB gun, you're going to shoot your eye out. But then as the story continues on, you realize it's not just about Ralphie and his desire to get that toy BB gun. It's also just about his experience. Throughout the movie, he gets into trouble. He says some words that he shouldn't say. And do you know that old saying that when you say a curse word, you're going to get soap in your mouth? I'll clean out your mouth. Well, that's what happens to him. His mom puts a bar of soap in his mouth. He also is miserable when he doesn't get his rifle. I'm not spoiling anything, by the way. Uh, in Christmas, he gets these pink bunny pajamas, and you can see his, his face is just so miserable. So as the story continues to unfold, you, you see his experience of his most memorable Christmas time. And you're wondering, you're probably thinking, what made it so memorable? It sounds horrendous. He, he got a bar of soap in his mouth and, and he got a, a PJs that he didn't want. So why, how was it memorable? Because as the story continues on, you realize then he's remembering his father and the special relationship that he has with his dad. Throughout the movie, you never learn the dad's name. He calls his dad the old man. Oh, the old man had to fix the car tire. Oh, the old man was angry that he didn't get his uh, turkey dinner. Oh, the old man this, the old man that. But he says it with respect. He does. So the Christmas story, this movie, is really about a young man reminiscing to his childhood days, remembering his dad, remembering his father. There's no better relationship than the relationship you have with your loved one. Think about your own story. Think about the most memorable gift you received around this time. Think about the dinners that you've had. Think about the gatherings. What's your Christmas story? So for the next three weeks, we're going to look at this, a Christmas story. I would like to propose that this is not, this Christmas story is not about Ralphie 
or his family. This Christmas story that I would like to explore with you for the next three weeks is really the story of Jesus. I want to look at how Jesus impacts our life. That's going to be December 24. We're going to look at a Christmas story, Jesus' story. Next week, we're going to look at, look at the story of others. How do we receive other people's stories? Do, are we willing to listen to their story? And if we're listening to, listening to their story, how are we listening? Are we receiving it? Are we accepting it? Or are we being judgmental about their story? So that's next week. For today, a Christmas story, we're going to look at your story we're going to look at your story and how your story has been touched by Jesus Christ. I don't think it's a Christmas story unless it has Jesus in it. I mean, if you look at the word Christmas, Christmas has the word what in it? Christ. And we know that in some churches, the term Christmas comes from Christ Mass, to come together in Mass, right? That's the true meaning of Christmas. It's about Jesus. In this day and age we live in, uh, sometimes we say, hey, or not we, um, the world tells us, you can't even say Merry Christmas anymore. You have to say Happy Holidays. Well, I'd like to say, because we love Jesus, I say it's okay to say Christmas. Let's not do away with the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A Christmas story. Today, it's focused on your story. The question I have to ask is, what is your story? What is your faith story? What has been your journey with Jesus? If you're wondering, well, I don't even know what my story really is. Maybe the, first, the question you can ask yourself is, how has God blessed you in your life? How has he blessed you through the years? How has he blessed you recently? Is it with good health? Is it with family coming together? Is there reconciliation that you're experiencing in your life? How has God blessed you? If you can start with that, they, then you can start to see and understand what your special story is in regard to Jesus. I invite you today to let, uh, look with me in the Bible. If Jesus is in the story, then it's a Christmas story. Therefore, I have to say that the Bible is a Christmas book <laughs> because almost every story in there has an experience with Jesus or with God. And we know God and Jesus are one, right? We know that they are the same being. So every story that we read is a Christmas story. Now, I want us to look at some stories where the character is giving a testimony of their faith. They're sharing their story so others are impacted in such a way that the people who hear their story responds to it. Let's go to Genesis chapter 45, verse 4 through 7. 
Genesis chapter 45, verse 4 through 7. This story, this particular Christmas story, is one that is, is deliverance from catastrophe. Well, what is the catastrophe? Let's read together. In chapter 45, verse 4, it says, Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. I am your brother, Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed, do not be scared, do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land. That's the catastrophe here, right? That's the challenge. There has been, this fa- there has been famine in the land for the last two years. And for the next five years, there will not be any plowing or reaping. So th- what does that mean? It means that there's going to be another five years of famine. Verse 7. Joseph continues to say, but God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. What's Joseph saying here? Joseph is saying here, he's giving his testimony of how he has experienced God. He told his brothers, yes, it's true. At the beginning, I was angry. I was mad that you sold me into slavery. At the beginning, I felt lost. I felt scared. But then as I grew up, as as the years went by, then I realized how God was turning this into a blessing. And then Joseph comes into a prominent place. Pharaoh blesses him by giving him the authority over all of Egypt. And why? Because Joseph had a plan on how to save the land from this famine. That's Joseph's testimony. Deliverance from catastrophe. What I also like to point out about Joseph's story is that Joseph's story is one of those stories in the Bible where An answer from God takes 20 years, 30 years. His story is a good example for us that sometimes God does not respond right away. It may take time. Someone in here might be thinking, well, I don't don't know if I can wait 20 or 30 years. Will I even be alive in 20, 30 years? But that's okay. Because through the patient endurance that you have, your faith grows. And then when the answer comes, oh, it's even sweeter, isn't it? You appreciate it more. Joseph's testimony of hope. Let's go to the next one. Worshiping the one true God. We find this in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. You know this story. The context of this story is the Israelites and Joshua have gone into the promised land. They have taken over the promised land. They've had their battles with the Amorites, the Canaanites, and all of the other people of that land, right? Now they're going to settle that land. And Joshua gives a, a reminder of how they should start their nation. 
This is what he says. Let's go to verse 14, actually. It starts with, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living in. But as for me and my house, what does Joshua say? We will serve the Lord. Joshua, for these many years in the wilderness and going into the promised land, finally entering the promised land, he has witnessed one miracle after another miracle. Therefore, he realized that the God he serves is ultimately the one true God. And he, his faith proclaims that. His words proclaim that he's testifying to the greatness of God. Now, you got to think about the impact of that. What was the impact of his faith? Well, look at the next few verses. It tells us the people go ahead and receive the Lord as their God. The people answered in verse 16, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Now the people are giving their testimony too. Verse 17, it says, It was the Lord our God himself who brought us out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in this land. We too, what was the impact of Joshua's choice? What was the impact of Joshua's testimony it says here the people said we too will serve the lord because he is our god what's your christmas story what's your story that can impact the life of another another person what's your christmas story it doesn't stop there We have so many examples of people in the Bible giving their testimony to get people excited about Jesus, to get people excited about God. In Daniel chapter 2, verse 27 through verse 28, Daniel shares with us that God is a God who revealed mysteries. You remember this story? King Nebuchadnezzar, the heathen king, the Babylonian king, the Babylonian king who destroyed Judah and Jerusalem, kidnapped Daniel. This king gets a vision or a dream. It baffles him so much that he gets his magicians and sorcerers and his advisors and his brilliant men to interpret this dream. His people say, well, Nebuchadnezzar, tell us what this dream is, then we'll interpret, interpret it for you. Nebuchadnezzar's smart. He realizes, no, I'm not going to tell you what the dream is. You tell me what the dream is, what I dreamt, then you interpret it for me. Then I'll know that there's deep meaning behind it. 
Well, then his sorcerers and magicians and all his other advisors said, there's no person in this world, in your kingdom, that can meet your request. This is where Daniel comes into the picture. He hears about Daniel. Whoops, I'm not on Daniel. (coughs) (coughs) Verse 27, Daniel comes into the picture. Daniel says it just like his, like Nebuchadnezzar's advisors told him. Daniel's correct. He says, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But Daniel doesn't stop there. He says, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown you, King Nebuchadnezzar, what will happen in future days to come. And then Daniel goes ahead and tells him what he dreamt. And then he interprets that dream. Daniel's testimony, that God reveals mysteries. And maybe that's where you are at life right now. Maybe there's just so many mysteries in your life. Maybe life is like a dark room with no windows, and you don't know what's in there. And you're asking God, give me answers, Lord. Well, the Bible tells us through Daniel's testimony that in time, God will reveal mysteries for you. For us as a church, perhaps for us as a country, for us as a world, God can reveal mysteries. Can we do one more? We might not have enough time to go through all of them, but we have some time for maybe one more. This one is Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. Whose testimony is this? Before you go uh, turn your Bibles there, can you guess whose testimony this is? Matthew 3, 11. You said Mark? Yeah, I, I know. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all saw the same event. Right, yeah, yeah. They're all witnesses to Jesus, right, Jonathan? Yes, they all witness the same thing, and they all put their takes on what happened. Yeah, you're close. It's not Mark. The reason why I'm uh, saying you're close is because it's one of the other four letters. It's John. John the Baptist. Yes, who said John the Baptist? Thank you, Jim. Yeah. This story is a, it's a, it's a beautiful story because up to this point, we're reading about characters that have these extraordinary, out-of-this-world experience. Who's ever been sold in slavery uh, outside of a few people, right? outside of, of uh, uh, Josh, uh, not Joshua, Joseph. Joseph had this crazy story for several years. Then Daniel getting ransacked, his city, his homeland destroyed. I've never experienced anything like that. But with John the Baptist, we get a story here of a man who's working his, I feel like he's more like us. You know, there's not much to his story. I'm not saying there's not much to your story, but I'm, I'm saying he's more like an average Joe. 
John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. What does uh, John mean here? John is saying, this one who is coming has bigger shoes than me, and there's no way I can fill his shoes. But after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. See, this whole thing about baptism is an external experience. When a person says, I want to follow Jesus and I want to repent of my sins. It's them saying externally, telling others that I'm ready to walk with Jesus. But John the Baptist, his testimony is this. He said, no, the true baptism is going to be the one who brings truth, so much truth that will, that will penetrate your darkest part of your soul and transform you, change you from inside out. He brings the Holy Spirit with him, for he is part of that trinity. God, uh, Father, God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. That is John's testimony. I have to ask you, has your spirit been filled? Has your spirit been changed? If you find yourself in darkness, in so much darkness, maybe your spirit has not been awakened yet. So how does your spirit get awakened? You give your life to Jesus. As John says here in his testimony, what's your story? Which story here really resonates with you? Which Christmas story here resonates with you? There's other examples, but for time's sake, we won't go into them right now. We have Paul in Philippians 4.9, which we actually just read in Sabbath school this morning, where Paul says he gives a testimony of his life, and he realizes that because he is a church leader, he inspires people to, whatever you have seen me do, whatever you have seen me do in life, then if these things are good, do it as well. He wants to lead by example. He encourages you and I through his testimony to lead by example. Then in uh, number six, 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 15, this is where Paul says, here is a trustworthy saying that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior who forgives our sins. And then he says, for I am the greatest sinner of all. He's testifying that he, being a murderous man, before he came to Jesus, was transformed by Jesus, the Savior of sinners. And then Titus chapter 1, verse 1 to 3, proclaims that hope in Jesus gives us eternal life. So what's your story? What's your Christmas story? Here's a recommendation I would like to make. Your Christmas story 
should have these following components. Number one, your story should share your experience with Jesus. How have you experienced God? I mean, all of the stories that we have read up to this point is about people experiencing God and how God blessed them. So your story, your Christmas story, it's not a Christmas story if it does not have Jesus in it. What's your Christmas story? How have you experienced God in your life? Number two, the next component of your story should also have uh, your desire to share your reasons on your faith. Why do you believe what you believe? Number three, make your hope, make your story clear so other people can understand it, but not just understand it, so that your story resonates with them. That's why I asked you that question. Of the four that we read together, which story resonates with you? Because there's always a story in the Bible that will speak more to you than any of the other stories. For me, I have to say, the stories that have always resonated with me is Moses. Moses is calling. Not the part where he's leading the people. But for me, I always felt like I was that man running away from God until God showed himself to me, not in a burning bush. But I understood. I felt that story of Moses. That resonated with me. And to this day, it's still inside of me. It's still speaks to me, inspires me, moves me. What's the story that resonates with you? And then the last component that your story should have, share it with humility so it is received. Who wants to be preached to? To just say, you need to do this and do that. No, but if you share your story with compassion, with love, with patience, it's going to be received by the recipient. And where do I get this? The components of your story is nothing I made up. This is found in 2 Peter, or not 2 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. In it, it says, in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience. That's nothing I made up. That's from Peter himself, who says to be ready to share your Christmas story. Are you ready to share your story? What is your story? Some here might be asking, why do I even want to tell my story? Why do I even want to share it? <coughs> this picture here is of Toronto, Canada. I was Googling and I couldn't find a good picture of Denver at night. So I picked Toronto, Canada. I thought there were mountains there. Apparently, apparently it's flat. But um, <coughs> how would you describe this picture? I'm going to give myself a break so you guys, someone talk here. How would you describe the picture? Noisy. Noisy, okay. Yeah, all that Explain. Light there. All that light there is creating noise. 
Okay. Okay, thanks, Jonathan. Gene? Confusing. Confusing. I like that word. Yeah, anyone else? Busy. Yeah, busy. Uh, that's what I was wondering when I saw this picture. How many miles are we actually seeing here of Toronto? Now, let me ask you this question. Look up into the night sky. What's missing? Stars. Stars. If you've ever grown up, if you've ever lived in the city or grew up in the city, then you would know that being in the city and then you look up, you don't really see stars. I grew up in Houston, Texas. No stars if I were in the city. Fortunately enough, I grew up in the suburbs outside, uh, kind of like what Castle Rock is to, to Denver, but even Castle Rock has become so busy and so bright that you probably can't see stars here. I don't know. I don't live here. But when you live in the country, like Bobby and I and Bob and Cecile, we live in the country, we can see the stars. There's no distraction. No distractions of the busyness, of the confusion, right? You can actually see the stars. <clears throat> How many people today can clearly see Jesus, the ultimate star? How many people today can clearly see Jesus? You might be wondering, well, why should I share my story? Well, because your story might be the only time they experience God or see Jesus in their life. Stars are important. Can you think of a story in the Bible where stars played an important role in finding Jesus? The three wise men. You know I was going to bring it back to Christmas. The three wise men were brought to Jesus because of the star of Bethlehem. I wonder if Jesus had to be born in the outskirts of a town in a little manger. I wonder if he had to be born there so that way there was no confusion, no busyness of other lights drowning out the star. Humble places do not fret about humble places. Do not fret about places that seem so lowly because in those lowly places, that's where our Savior was born. That's where Jesus came into this world so that you and I can have meaning in our lives, so that you and I can understand God's great love for you and for me. So why should you be ready at all times to share your story? Well, because you can be that star to lead someone to Jesus. It doesn't have to be grand. You don't have to stand in front of hundreds of people to tell your story. It can be something as simply passing by the grocery store, passing by someone. And it doesn't have to be your full story. It can be excerpts parts of your stories. What this really talks about, the great theme here is witnessing. That's what this is, witnessing. Did you realize the ways that we can experience God? Nature, Bible, and what's the third one? Your story. Some people can't make the connection of nature and God together. 
They can't. Sometimes they might refuse it. Other people don't want to pick up a Bible because they think it's too religious or I don't want to read it. So why? Because if they don't want to do the first two, they don't want to experience the first two, then you're it. You're their star to Jesus Christ. So I ask you this question once more. What is your Christmas story?